en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. From your ear, to your heart, to your mouth, to your feet. Join this life on 657 AM. Yeah, from your ear, to your heart, your mouth, your feet. Good morning, wherever you are in God's world. Skrifteerlik, tot en met 12 uur vandag, die Ewe Weinander. So, Pastor Rocky Stevenson with me in a studio. And let's leave no stone unturned to find the truth. God's word is the truth. Thy word, says John 17, 17. And it also says, sanctify us by your word, Lord. And so, for the next 50, 55 minutes, we'll be delving into God's word, diving into the scriptures, En jy kan deelneem aan die program dier jou vraag vir ons te WhatsApp 082-657-2729. Kom ek gee hom weer vir jou 082-657, die frekwensie waarop ons uitsaai die nummer 2 en dan 7 Radio Kaapse Kanselse Frekwensie en daad jy baie makkelike en eenvoudige nommer om te onthou as jy om mooi luister hoe so moet eens sit, daar onthou jy om makkelijk. So, let me greet uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson uh, first, he is in studio with me. Did you survive Father's Day, my brother? Good morning to you and welcome. Yeah, welcome. It was a wonderful time and, and as far as surviving Father's Day, it went very well. It was on Sunday and... Um, yeah, we preached up a bit of a storm on the Sunday morning. <laughs> our, um, our men were saying that was a real beating. I said to them, did you expect me to bring you bubble bath and flowers oh, for wow. Father's Day? So they got a bit of a shambok, but the men at Benoni Bible Church, they like a good shambokin every now and then. Yeah, we we all need that. Uh, every now and then, uh, God talks in uh, John 15 about pruning the tree, and we all need pruning every now and so often. Because how easily we lower our head, we like sheep. I mean, no wonder the Lord Jesus calls us sheep, rocky, and then one nibble at a time we go astray. Mm. We don't look up, and before you see it, you have wandered from the flock, you have wandered from God, you have wandered over who knows where, and uh, one nibble at a, stray, uh, at a time we go astray. So, Welcome, thank you. Good to have you in studio with us. Die nommer in die atelier, as jy een vraag het, stuur het vir ons deel. En net een kantlijn opmerking, as jy weet wat die skrifgedeelte dit is, sit dit ook vir ons by dit maak net baie makkelijker. 082-657-2729 So, ons het vraag reeds gekry van hulle wat vir ons vraag ingestuur het en I see somebody else who also just responded right now Cathy, Cathy bless your heart I see your question there on WhatsApp So, stuur het vir ons in Rocky, let's start We don't have much time left Does the existence of beings from other planets align with what the Bible teaches? Does the existence... We're talking UFOs here. What are we talking about? Yeah, UFOs, I guess. um, (laughs) Extraterrestrial life. Um, 
Yeah, uh, that that's something that uh, I think is becoming more and more on the minds of people these days, especially with some of the things that have been released from the Pentagon. And what we need to realize is that there's so much smoke and mirrors in our world. And Cloak and daggers. Yeah, uh, there's so much um, distraction. You know, there's while, what do they say? I heard it the other day. Somebody was saying when there's a fire at the post office, you know, go check the bank. Don't yeah. <laughs> don't go to the post office because that's what's happening. There's so much spy ops, they call it, or PSY ops yeah. in our world. And when we talk of a UFO, that you know, people sometimes forget that that means unidentified flying objects. So if you have a guy that's tied himself to his living room couch and he gets a whole lot of helium balloons, which actually has happened if you go yes, and look I it have up, seen that. Yeah. and uh, you know fills these helium balloons and he goes floating around. Yeah. He starts off as a UFO for yeah. a little while, and um, you know we have a lot of drones in our world. You remember that not too long ago, there was um, something from China hanging over America that I looked really, like a yes. moon yeah. that was busy spying as such on them, and then there was talk of that possibly having some weaponry on it but if we get back to the biblical aspect you know is there extraterrestrial life on some other planet in the world and the basic answer is no but if we look at it we see God's creation and the Bible teaches that God is the creator of heaven and earth he displays his wisdom his power throughout the universe and while it's theoretically possible because if we have to think about the fact of is it possible that there could be life on other planets, theoretically you could say yes there is because there's such a vast expanse of the world. So theoretically but scripturally no. So therefore it's not possible because God would have told us about this and scripture emphasizes the unique centrality of earth inside of the universe. God has made the universe for man to look at and go wow there's an amazing creator that that is that has given us life and so we would have to say that the integrity of god's word is upheld by his focus on this redemptive plan for for humanity and then the purpose of the earth as the center of his created work and a couple of passages that come to mind with that would be like genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth or psalm 19 verse 1 which says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. If there was extraterrestrial life, God would have told us about this and he would have told us that that is in existence. And yet we have the expanse. So the purpose of that great expanse of all of these other stars, all of these other planets, all of the universe is that they tell of the glory of God to us human beings who have been made in his image. Uh, other passages would be Romans one twenty or Psalm 115 verse 16, which says the heavens are the heavens of Yahweh, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. And so you see some of these purposes. And then also if you think about the uniqueness of the earth, as well as of humanity, it's just marvelous to look at these things. If we were one meter closer to the sun, we'd fry up. If yeah. we were one meter further from the sun, we'd freeze over. God has specifically made the earth like it is, even with a tilt on its axis, so that we have the different seasons, the four seasons degrees, that we have. Yeah. And so there's such a uniqueness in regard to the earth as well as humanity. And Scripture emphasizes that uniqueness between God and mankind. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are the crown of God's creation. And the purpose of the heavens is to bring that awe and that wonder to humankind 
and, and to mankind in particular so that we ourselves would go, wow, this wonderful God. I mean, passages that come to mind there, uh, Psalm 8 verse 5, you know, what is man that you mindful of him? Yeah. The psalmist says, uh, Psalm 139 verse 14. That's a marvelous psalm. If you look at Psalm 139, you see that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnicompetent throughout that psalm. All right. And then if we think about Jesus' redemptive work as well, because we've got to go there with a question like this. What about Jesus' redemptive work? The very central message of the whole Bible revolves around Jesus Christ our Lord and his love toward mankind, God sending him in love to die for man, to pay the debt that his sinners incurred. And so Jesus' incarnation, and specifically to redeem fallen humanity, and Scripture does. Scripture never mentions um, a other kind of human beings on another kind of planet or other type of aliens that Jesus would then need to die for. Yeah, but how about the hosts of heaven? How about the seraphim? I, I know the question evolves around other planets mm. with other beings, and, and in my heart, and 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 for what I read from Scripture, the, the Earth pretty much the center, as you said, of the universe. But what about the seraphims? Other beings out yes. there. We yes. don't know where heaven is. Yeah. And that, that would be one of my last answers to a question like this because yeah. um, there is the influence of demonic forces as oh, well. Yes. When you're talking yeah. about you know angels, yes, there's angels, and two-thirds of the angels never fell. And they but yeah. one-third of the angelic beings followed after Satan, and, and, and they are very persuasive, and they are very deceptive, and I do think that some of what are these um, alien abductions that people talk about or alien sightings, oftentimes I think that there's a very demonic influence in this world that really is part of Satan's smoke and daggers kind of a strategy that gets people so distracted. And so the Bible acknowledges the reality of the demonic realm. And it also speaks about how active demons are inside of this world. And Satan seeks to deceive. He seeks to distract people from addressing serious topics of sin and the fact that we need a savior and the fact that there's this redemptive plan of God that is found in Jesus Christ. And when people are so distracted like that, like the entertainment industry in many respects, it keeps people so entertained until they die. They're in this amusement park of the world, and they don't realize the serious things of God's word. And that's one of the ploys of the evil one, which he, which he does. You know, he, there's supernatural things that happen because we don't just have a natural world. There are supernatural beings like angels and like demons that are in existence. And praise God that he keeps us often from that. But even as you think about the influence of psychedelic drugs and you think about the way that people are half the time out of their mind with some of the things that they are smoking and some of the things that they are sniffing and some of the things that they are injecting or drinking, these things are are incredible inside of our world. And we've got to realize that what Jesus has commanded us towards within his word is towards having a sound mind. And that's only possible when the Prince of Peace has moved into our hearts. Yeah. When, whenever there's an empty vessel that has not been born again, that does not have the Spirit of God, and when there's a delving into even some of these, um, let's say, pagan practices and these occultic practices, which is very rife in our world. I mean, even the term Hollywood is is spoken about as that it's like a um, 
you know, one of those wands that wizards would use yeah. to cast a spell. And that's this idea of what Hollywood even means in, in behind it. And there's the spell that gets cast on so many people in this world. And they readily accept that. And so people start to have a mind that's not sound. And they start to deviate into myths and into these things that cause people to, to have huge conversations. But actually, they never start to focus on the serious things. And so I would encourage our listeners to, to think about the serious things. The fact that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, and that Jesus is the Savior for sinners. And this is what the Word of God teaches us. It's easy for us to get into speculation and to get into many long dialogues with people around a braai fire. Because um, often in South Africa, we have that ons gaan no braai thing. And so we just put a bit more charcoal on and then we speak more nonsense. Um, it's good for us to actually speak truth with one another and to dwell upon that which is true within God's Word. And so I'd encourage our listeners, go, go look at Ephesians 6, 12 and 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 2 Timothy 1, 7, where we see that we must be those that have a sound mind. We must be those that go and have spiritual discernment as well and recognize that Satan would love for us to be very distracted from truth. Right. Uh, bless your heart. Thank you for a very interesting uh, question. Uh, the existence of beings from other planets, uh, does it align with what the Bible teaches? And a definite and a very clear no, uh, that is not in God's word to be found. Rocky, thank you so much for that. Uh, Kathy has got a very interesting question. She says, to what extent is a person allowed to work on this Sabbath? I'm referring to work at home preparing food, gardening, etc. What does the Word of God say with regards to that? I had a very interesting conversation with somebody some time back, and the individual said, well, the main thing is not to buy and sell on a Sabbath. If you're at home and you're just busy, but uh, a big thing in the Sabbath was you're not allowed to do go about your business and do business buying and selling. Mm. So does the Word of God give us any idea with regards to uh, the rest day, she calls it the Sabbath day, and uh, with regards to preparing food and gardening, and uh, w- what can yeah. we say to listeners? Yeah, Kathy, thank you for the for the question. I would like to direct you towards um, a sermon that I preached about a month ago. It's available on the YouTube channel of Benoni Bible Church. I did a, a sermon on Exodus chapter thirty-one from verse twelve um, onward, uh, verse twelve until verse eighteen, which is titled "Rest, Worship, and the Sabbath: Honoring Our Relationship with." God from that passage. It's about an hour long sermon, but the great thing with YouTube is you can play it on double speed. Then it becomes half an hour. <laughs> I said that to some of our people. They would say, Hey man, that was a long sermon. I said, No, just go listen to it again on YouTube. You can make it half the time and uh, speed it up. But um, in that, I, I do look at some of the Sabbath rest and really go into a bit more detail than what will go in this in this answer, what we need to realize is that the idea of one day out of seven of rest has been enshrined in the scriptures right from the creation. And that is part of God's wisdom in giving us that time of rest. But real rest is found in the worship of Yahweh. And in in particular, the corporate worship. And is, as we look at, at this as New Testament saints, we don't have a Sabbath day like the Old Testament Israel. That was given to Israel specifically to also show them as the people of God 
that we're a nation that existed under God, a theocracy, as we would call it. What we have as New Testament saints is we are a Christocracy. That's why we have something called the Lord's Day. That's not to be confused with the Sabbath, because it is different. And the Sabbath was also made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're not under some legalistic rule in that sense. But when it comes to rest, this is something that is critical. And what's wonderful, I also made mention in that sermon to a wonderful sermon from a brother in Christ in, in America that's one of my favorite men. Um, his name's Kurt Scally, and he, he preached a sermon from, I believe it was from Mark, where Jesus tells his disciples, come ye apart. And he called that sermon, um, come apart or fall apart. And what an excellent <laughs> sermon to also go and look out up um, from Kurt Scally. And in that, he, he made, and it was a wonderful sermon to listen to, because he went back to creation. And he said, you know, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. What did God do on the seventh day? God rested. But what was that day for man? That was man's first day. And you think of this in a, in a wonderful way. God took off the first day for man in his existence. God had created man on day six. Day seven, God takes off so that he can spend the, full, the first full 24-hour day of man's existence with man. And, and that's just a wonderful thought. Wow. We've gotten back to Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, which has become known as the Lord's Day, which is our Sundays, which is where we worship corporately as the assembly of Christ, and we worship Jesus on the Lord's Day. And, and I do think that we are in a, p a place in history where we do need to reclaim something of the Lord's Day. Our churches often will limit our services even to like, oh, we, well, we and advertise. We have only an hour service and we're done with that. And then you have this as a family day. And I do think we need to reclaim something of the Lord's Day. But we do need to remember that we are not under the law. We are under grace. The law pointed towards the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and true rest is found in worship. So I, th I think we, we need to be careful about coming up with any kind of a legalistic thing that we follow. Do this, don't do that. Yes. The and food preparation, the yes, mowing yes. of the lawn, the washing of a car. Yeah. I do think we can take some practical steps in yeah. order to make the Lord's Day something more special for us, like laying out the, the children's clothing on the Saturday, getting to bed nice and early on the Saturday so that we rise early and we're able to worship as a family. We're able to get to church on time. We're able to get to church maybe five, ten minutes before and pray about the sermon that we're about to hear. Or we can get, like what we do at Benoni, is we send out and that's a wonderful ministry that's happening is that our songs are sent out during the week. These are the songs we're going to sing so that our church can think through the hymns and to be able to practice that with our children. And, yeah. you know, so there's certain things that we can do to actually more practically lay aside that seventh day in our, I guess, the yeah. first day of the week. But yeah. for us, I mean, we've got the weekend and we've got to realize that there's been a Christian mm -hmm. influence that has caused that to have a Saturday, Sunday. The principle of work is important as well. Six days you've been given to work, and there's a day that you've been given to rest. Right. And so for, for us in my household, we take a Monday where I typically rest. Um, we've just started, my fellow elder and I started visiting in the, on the Monday evenings, and that, that works best for him, and we're going to be putting that as a pattern. But I've got to think through that, and I think it's good for our listener to think through times that you actually specifically lay aside for rest, and also realize that true rest is found in the worship of the triune God. 
and so daily there should be a time where we put aside a bit of time to be with the Lord yeah. and to rest in his presence. And also that principle of rest looks forward to the time that we will be with the Lord Jesus. There is an element in us, and that's Romans chapter 8. And I love that, that section because there's different groaning that happens in Romans 8. You have the groaning of the Spirit of God. You have the groaning of creation. And then you have the groaning of the human being that joins creation looking forward to the day of redemption. There is an element in us where this life actually is a, a life of being awake, of being working, and we look forward to the final rest that we have with the Lord Jesus when All we right. see him face to face. You use the word careful of, of, of legalism, but what about the buying and selling? What about coming from church and stopping off at the local corner store, getting your uh, your, your, your bread? Your, uh, what about buying and selling on, a, on, on the Lord's Day, on, on, a, on Sabbath, to use Cathy's uh, words? Yeah, I, th- I think that we... We are in this world and not of this world. And and how that looks for each individual, I think we do need to give thought to that. It may be that it it is good in our in the world that we're in to think about ways in which we can have a testimony towards the world around us. And maybe that looks like a family saying, we're going to be more thoughtful in this week about getting our bread and our milk during the week. Right. Have there been times I've stopped over? Yes, many times. You know, there's times where you get to church in the evening service and you see there's no milk and you run off quickly to the um, corner to store. the corner store and you get some milk. There's no legalistic place that says thou shalt not with us. Where I do think there is something of a problem is when local churches are buying and selling on Sundays. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and, and even there you've got to be careful about where you where you come to. If, you, if you're selling Cook Sisters to keep the church doors open, there's a bit of a problem. Mm. When there's not gracious giving, and I think that would get into some other principles as well, where you sometimes have churches that are selling coffee on a Sunday to, its, to those members that are there. And, and I think that that's where, we, where we've, got, we've got to think through there, there may be some more problem in that sense. Or, you know, you've got, you pay parking tickets <laughs> at some churches and you think to yourself, but like, you, like, are you not, are the people not graciously giving already? And now you've got to come up with some kind of a marketing strategy or some kind of a business strategy and where the church of the Lord becomes some kind of a business on par with Almost other like businesses. Almost like the temple of all. And, and I think that that is, that is something that's, mm. you know, reprehensible. And, and should not be practiced. And um, and so, I mean, we at Benoni Bible Church, we've got a book table that sells some books from Augustine Bookroom. But there's no profit that's been made on that. Yeah. There's no, um, you know, we don't even actually exchange money because we've got the the um, the banking details of Augustine Bookroom. And if somebody wants to buy a book, they pay Augustine Bookroom directly. Okay. And we've been careful about that as as a church in that sense. Some might say, oh, but that's a double standard. You said no buying and selling coffee. Um, Christian books, I think, is a different thing. Spurgeon even mentioned having a book table is something like having another pastor on staff. And um, so we want to give our people good material to be able to read. And those that are in Pretoria, I mean, Augustine Bookroom's right here. You should go and have a look. It's a wonderful ministry. And even that ministry is run at such a low cost because they cover the cost of their staff, but they're not making a profit yeah, out of it. Yeah. And um, it's not like having something like a bookstore book um, on your premises in, right. a, in a sense. So I do think there are some principles to think through. The Bible also does say that, you know, if you know what the right thing is to do it and you do not do it, then that is a sin to you. Yeah. 
And I do think we need to be sensitive to our own individual conscience as believers and the freedom that we have in Christ and the liberty of the saint. And so if you feel, hey, look, I think I need to not be distracted in my worship of the Lord on the Lord's Day and be thinking about buying onions for Tuesday, then rather rather plan better in your week so that you're not distracted on the Lord's Day from fellowship. I do think it's sad as well if people are so distracted from – because the Lord's Day worship is not just the singing, the giving, the praying, the listening to a sermon. It also includes the fellowship of the saints. And if you're so hurried because you've got things you didn't do in your week that you've got to get out of there. And I just love that about Benoni Bible Church. We, I mean, this last Sunday, people were still in the in the church and in the building until like past, I think it was past half past 12, where people were still talking to each other, still drinking some coffee, still having fellowship. Yeah. There were groups that at times were praying with one another. And praise God for that. You know, yeah. when there's a, a, a real fellowship of the saints, even our evening service, we have it from five till uh, probably about half past six, I'm done in the preaching. And there we stand till like half past eight, maybe sometimes nine o'clock, because there's fellowship of the saints. And I think that that's where you've got to think about if you're starting to have to go and buy this or buy that. Even for us at, at our, in our home, we'll often think about maybe a slow cook chicken or something that so that you're not distracted from the fellowship of the saints. And I think those are some of the principles to more keep in mind. All right. Cathy uh, Haman, thank you so much. Uh, excellent question there. Thank you for taking part in the program. As you will deal near man skrif, tierlik, stier vir ons jou vraan in 082-657-2729. Listen, it's good to listen to Radio Pulpit and uh, to Rocky Stevenson and Weiland, but ultimately responsibility lies with you to search the scriptures. And uh, if if you beg to differ, well, send those scriptures in. Let us have a look at those scriptures. If you don't agree altogether, send them in, and we'll be glad uh, to look at those scriptures. 082 I'm going to keep this listener anonymous. Uh, Rocky, if that's okay mm. with you and hopefully with the listener, Machamis Imansa us in your hazo. Now, we've spoken extensively on uh, cremation and uh, funerals, but this is a question of a different sort. Mag iemand se as in jou huis hou, en as jy weer trou, jou man of jou vrou se as koester, uh, to cherish the ashes of your uh, husband or wife, even though you married again. What does the word say with regards to that? Yeah, um, I, I think that there is a level of um, freedom that we need to be able to give. However, there are some baseline questions that I would ask uh, somebody like this if they were sitting with me in my study. <laughs> um, one, you know, what is that ash? It's just ash. It's no longer that person. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, there. I think that, that we've got to be careful that we don't over-sentimentalize things of the earth. I, I think you that need to be... stand between you and the Lord. Yes, not, yeah. don't let it stand between you and the Lord. Yeah. Is it wrong as per se to have ash in the house in a jar that you're like, For okay, that's my morning. father's ashes or my wife's ashes? Not necessarily. But if it does take a place of worship and awe and adoration, I think that's where we've got to draw a bit of a line and say... Who is worthy of our worship and awe and adoration? It is the Lord. And um, 
you know, there's certain things that you might have that are sentimental and, hey, this was my, I've got some shoes that I got from my father, for example. You know, he he died a couple of years ago and, um, or he went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago and and I, I remember him when I have that. I, in fact, one, the belt buckle that I have on today is something that I have of my father's. And you remember that, you know, you and, uh, but, but. If I lost that, would I would I be completely uh, broken? <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, I remember it as, hey, this was something that was my dad's, and it's special to me in that sense. But there's yeah. no worship of it, and yeah. I think that's where we've got to ask ourselves that question. Uh, we must cherish the Lord our God. What I would say as well is that have that discussion with your husband. You know, if if you're a wife that's now got the ashes of your your late husband, you know, Timothy actually does. First Timothy, I think it's chapter five or chapter four, somewhere there, it does actually mention that you should, as a widow, look to remarry. He, he instructs that if you're under sixty years old, part of God's will, even for a woman, is to marry. You know, there's uh, we we do see an evidence as such of those that are gifted towards singleness, um, and which is a, I think very rare kind of a giftedness. And and I believe that that's in particular towards men. We we see that God's will for young women yeah. is that they would get married and that they that they would bear children and I'm that d- they I'm would just, manage their own household. I'm just thinking for myself. If you know, just put it out there. If if you were to get married again, and and the ashes of the previous, you know, gone to be with the Lord husband is standing on the fireplace. There, you know, that that would be a a a thorn in the side somewhere, somehow, isn't yeah, it? And I, and I think maybe some men might not feel that way, and so that's where it's a good conversation to have with your husband and to yeah. say, you know, I I really would like to keep these ashes. What do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I do think that that that's where the humility comes, even as a Christian wife, to submit yourself to your own husband. Oh, right. And if your husband says, listen, I'd like you to, to maybe, let's go on a trip to Cape Town and throw the ashes over Table Mountain or whatever. You know, like, uh, he can be sensitive to his wife as well, and, and he's to give a, uh, you know, he's to love his wife with a sacrificial kind of a love. Yeah. And so he might see that as, as, hey, look, let's keep this in because it is special to my wife, and let me be kind and gentle towards her and i think that each individual couple would need to work through that in their own way but the big thing would be don't worship those those ashes in that sense um and realize what it is you know the lord yeah. the, the to be absent from the body's present with the lord so there's nothing special about yeah. um you know dirt that we go and pick up outside or ashes that are in a, a jar and i know that that might be hard to hear but uh, that's the reality on the day that that the Lord Jesus returns with his you know and he and he calls his church to himself at the rapture that's where those that are the dead in Christ will rise and they will receive their glorified bodies and they will then be with the Lord and we will take part in the marriage feast of the lamb for that seven year tribulation period while the earth is under tribulation yeah. uh, kind of like uh, what happened with Noah and and we are preaching that to the the lost today as the church of Christ we're saying Jesus is coming again to take his church to himself that's that's going to happen and the Lord will give that glorified body to those saints but there's you know there's nothing in this world all of this around us is going to burn all of it is going to be destroyed all of it is you know, we're living in that shadow land in that sense. 
Thank you so much for that uh, question. Uh, we kept uh, you anonymous, and uh, ek hoop uh, die antwoord is vir jou aanvaardbaar, en dit wat ons daar oor gesels het. Ek kan sal sê, ons moet ook uh, muziek speel, hier by Radio Council, well, we are instructed uh, by our broadcasting policy to play music within the hour, so I've got something very, very special on the turntable for you. A golden oldie, so to speak, Nicole C. Mullen, Chris August, the song called I need you as the dear. So uh, we'll be back with Scriptural 082 What an incredible song. We'll be back with Scriptural right after this. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. Nicole C. Mullen uh, as the dear panther for the Lord. Nee, so is uh, hart wat smag na water, so is smag my siel na u oe heer. Baie dankie vir uh, die deelnemers aan uh, skriftierlik vandag. Heel wat mense wat dat deelneem. Uh, we had a, a response from Anonymous there that, that's, uh, that said, uh, thanks for the conversation. My husband is uh, very bad about uh, the wife's ashes, even talked to her on her birthday and uh, on uh, her, what is it, celebrating a a day of passing, uh, death. So I feel I don't have a place in our home. Rocky, just a a couple of remarks to sum it up. For this listener, our heart really goes out to you in that regard. And I do think that the, the biblical counsel would be to to do what First Peter touches on as a wife, where with a gentle and quiet spirit you would pray for your husband in One that Peter regard. Three. One Peter three, and where you will trust the Lord to change his heart in that regard, because what he's doing there is sinful as well. Because you don't, you can't speak to somebody that has gone to, you know, that has gone. You it's can't, almost like worship. It, it isn't is. It? It's like a worship that is happening there. Yeah. And he's been disobedient in that sense. And he's also not loving you like he ought to love you as far as what God's word says. But but the the way that you win him over is through a quiet and gentle spirit. And where you trust in the Lord and you see through your husband to the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you recognize that marriage has never been about satisfying our needs. It's about that picture that is meant to show Christ and the church. And so my encouragement to you, dear sister, is to keep looking to the Lord Jesus, draw near to Christ, continue to worship the Lord, and in a quiet and gentle spirit, seek to to trust the Lord in working with your husband. It may be that he has levels of grief that he needs to deal through, and um, it, and then also plug into your local church and um, pray that the Lord would work on his heart and um, do a work with within him. And seek to to find yourself comfortable in Christ, and that would be the best encouragement in regard to this dear listener um, here. Dat is baie dankie, dat is rede hoekom ons hierdie luisteraar dan anoniem gehou het. Anneli, jy is volgende aan die beerd, baie dankie vir jou deelname aan die programma, dankie dat jy saam luister, en sy sê, uh, ek het net te vraag, uh, Matthies 27, 52, 53, en dan vraag sy, wat het daarna met die mense wat hy die grafte het opgestaan het gebeur? Geer die bybel vir ons enige aanduiding. Rocky, we have touched on this before, uh, mm. in depth, Yes. We've spoken about it, uh, but just 
for the sake of uh, responding to Anli's question, can you put it in a nutshell first? Sure, let me read the passage, and then I want to read verse 54 as well, which says this, and let me do 52 to 54 of Matthew 27. And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those that were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly this was the Son of God. Now the reason I've read verse 54 is that it's important to have that in the context because he speaks about the earthquake, he speaks about the tombs being opened. Now they were watching over Jesus in the area of the tombs. So they even had this extra they likely saw some of these people that were now going into Jerusalem from the tombs and they had been, I mean, this was probably a huge company, possibly over a hundred soldiers that had been left with Jesus. We often see in the storybooks that there were two or three that fell asleep, you know, while the angel came. No, this was a huge group of Roman soldiers, a huge contingent of Roman soldiers. And they even got to witness this. And the answer that they give at the end of verse 54 is truly, this was the son of God. Now, um, the Bible doesn't give further details as to what happened to those that were raised from the dead at that time. But it does seem that they didn't move back in at home. They witnessed for a short period, and then they likely were a sort of first fruit of those that are the resurrection of the dead, and that they then would be with Christ in their glorified bodies at this stage. They didn't go and die again. We don't have any further information in regard to this. The The point of it was to show something very unique has happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. So it's important to note that this event's unique, as well as it is not elaborated on in the rest of the scriptures. And so Uh, There's some that believe certain things about this, but this was a specific sign of the power as well as the significance of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so the primary focus in the gospel account is to convey that message of Jesus' sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection. And that's the place that our minds must go to. Wow, this is something that happened that is absolutely amazing. Jesus Christ is, and we should be able to say, like those, that contingent, this is the Son of God. This is God's Son that had had come. And then we've got to decide for ourselves, and that's where the gospel kind of would lead us, is are we going to turn to him or are we not going to? Because actually what happens with those Roman soldiers, they actually get paid off to lie and Mm -hmm. say his disciples came to take his body. And so even though they saw this, they heard the earthquake, they saw the dead that were raised, they still, and that's what we've got to realize, is that even signs and wonders are not enough for the stubborn heart of mankind. Jesus Christ must do a work within us, and his Holy Spirit must quicken us and move us towards that place where we have believing faith in him, and where we will repent of our sin, and where we realize that it is our sin that nailed him to the cross. And so that's where our minds must go. So therefore, while we, while we don't have specific information about the immediate aftermath as such of what happened there, of those that were raised, it's crucial to recognize that the central message of the Bible is the redemption and the salvation through Jesus Christ alone, rather than really the details of that specific event. I think if God wanted us to know exactly what happened after that, he would have told us. But it is a wonderful speculation to think about and go, hey, I wonder what kind of happened here. Um, 
So, but we, like, like you mentioned, we have dealt with this in previous right. programs. Only baie dankie dan ook vir die. And a quick one here before time's catching up with us and I'm trying to work through the questions as quickly as we possibly can. Nachmal baie is Rocky, we've touched on this one as well. Communion at home. To yeah. just use communion at home. Uh, simple question, quick question, nutshell question. Yeah, says, no, what um, do you guys say? So, so I, I believe that, that that would be out of order. Um, based upon what we find from 1 Corinthians 11, from verse 17 until verse 34. I actually did preach a sermon on this as well. Um, I think it was during the kind of What if of somebody is sick? What if COVID somebody is at home and sick? Yes. Um, I, I do think that you sometimes are providentially hindered, and that should also in, increase your desire to get back again with the Lord's people. Um, we don't see biblically any context of um, of a Lord's Supper at home by yourself. It is always with the people of God. And so if you're looking at that passage, you will see that as you're assembled in the name of the Lord as a body of believers, as the church of Christ, that's when you take part in the Lord's Supper. And so there's a special sense that you remember the the fact that you are uh, the body of Christ and you are assembled in the name of Jesus, and you are remembering the fact that he rose from the dead, that he went to the grave, and that he is alive, and you're also remembering the fact that he is coming back again, because part of that Lord's Supper feast is not just the looking back, but it's always it's also the looking forward, where you go, this Lord Jesus is coming again, but it is also something that is not a private thing, it is a communal aspect as you take part in the ordinance of the Lord Jesus. Right, uh, bless your heart. Thank you. Quick uh, answer on that one. And uh, time has almost caught up with us. So let's see if we can get a last one in. Uh, I'm not sure if we can do this in a nutshell, but let's see. Uh, we've got a question from somebody that says, As a father, what is my responsibility in my home? Now, uh, there's a lot of people that would be quick to say as well, you wash the car, you mow the lawn, you pick up the dog doodle. Uh, but inside the home, that's mom's territory. Uh, spiritually, physically, what do we, how do we look at this? What is my responsibility as a father in my home towards my wife, towards my kids? Yeah, I'm not sure how brief I'll be able to be, but I'll give some kind of main ideas. One, one is the spiritual leadership. That's very critical. As the father, you called to be the spiritual leader in your home. Uh, you have the privilege and then the responsibility as well of teaching your children about God's ways and his word. The Apostle Paul encourages fathers in Ephesians 6 verse 4, for example. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So the primary role of the father is actually that instruction and the discipline of their children. And, and this verse then highlights the importance of nurturing your children's faith and their character through biblical instruction as well as godly discipline. Now, of course, you need to have, you need to not have a loveless rod, but you also should not have a rodless love. And that's an important principle to keep in mind when it comes to the discipline with the rod, which is biblical throughout the scriptures. And the, the one who spares the rod actually hates their child, the Bible says in Proverbs. And so you must use the rod, but you must use the rod in love. And you mustn't 
have love without the rod either because that's not love according to the scriptures. But then also the emotional support because fathers play this vital role in providing emotional support and guidance for their children. In Colossians 3.21, fathers are admonished and said, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so part of a father's role is actually the encouragement, the building up of their children, not the breaking down of their children. And so there's that element of that emotional element that a father has over the children within the home. And it reminds us that you must be mindful of your words and your actions as a father. You must be treating your children with love, respect, encouragement, building them up. Um, but also being present and actively listening to your children. I think that's something that's key. I heard the other day one man was saying it's so much easier at times to do something for your children than to do something with your children. And what your kids care most about is you being with them. I was at this conference this last weekend. It was an absolute blessing with Kevin Swanson from America. He's got a Generations Radio podcast that I listen to at times, and he in particular has been a real stalwart for the homeschooling community and he brings out a his own um curriculum and he's he's going to be speaking in Nelspreit this coming week and uh, what a wonderful brother in the lord and what a wonderful time that was and he gave a wonderful section there on fatherhood and so hopefully that'll be available on youtube sometime but the next is then the the leading by example as the role as father you you, it extends beyond your words and your instruction, and it encompasses your life. You model virtuous behavior to your children. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, The righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are his children who come after him. So you, you actually part of your responsibility is how are you living as a dad? And, and what type of modeling are you giving to your children? You, in a sense, are imprinting to them what are your values, what is your way of thinking, what is the way that you live. So you display your humility, your patience, forgiveness, genuine love, how are you behaving when you're in the traffic, your kids are busy watching. And so part of your role and your responsibility is modeling to them the way that you lead by example. And then also part of your role is providing for your family. And the Bible emphasizes this responsibility all over. If you don't provide for your own family, the Bible says that you are worse than an unbeliever. You know, Thessalonians talks about how if you don't work, you don't deserve to eat. Part of your role as a father is don't be lazy. Go and work hard. Use the six days and then have the seventh day that you rest. Work hard. Provide for your family. That's First Timothy 5 verse Eight, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his own household, he has denied the faith, and worse than an unbeliever. There's actually a way you can be worse than an unbeliever, and that's when you don't provide for your own household. Wow. And that's mm. specifically part of the father's role and the husband's role within a home. And then another responsibility would be the nurturing as well as disciplining with love. And I've touched on that a little bit, but Hebrews 12, verse 7 to 11, there the writer of the book of Hebrews speaks about the discipline of the Lord. And he compares that to the discipline of earthly fathers. And he says that fathers are encouraged then to discipline their children with wisdom, guidance, and love helping them to develop this godly character because discipline creates character within our children. God's most concerned about the character of our children, not most concerned about the comfort of our children. And then just last two thoughts on that would be that you are responsible for investing time and building relationships with your children. And then the last but not least would be praying for and, and really then even being a blessing 
to your family. That would be a massive one, that fathers have the significant role in praying for their families. And so, dads, are you praying for your families? Yeah. You think of Job chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. There, Job, this was before the first five books of the Bible, Job was even sacrificing and blessing his children. That's something that a dad is called towards in, in his household. Rocky, bless your heart. Time is caught up with us. It's uh, time to love and leave you. Thank you so much. Baie dankie vir al die interessante vraag wat vir oogend aangekom het. En die vorig dat jy ons vertrouwe dat ek en Rocky sal met jou die skrifte kon onderzoek om te kyk of hier die dinge so is. Gaan kyk in die woord van die heren. Rocky, if somebody wants to be in touch with you, how do they get hold of you? Yeah, they welcome to do that on pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za Simple as that. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za If the Lord tarries, Next week, Tuesday, we'll be back once again with a new batch of questions. Thank you so much. This is the program interesting, Mark. Thank you that you've listened. Thank you that you've been with us. May the Lord bless you. Rocky, bless your heart. Safe journey back. Thank you so much for this morning.